Today, you are going to get a front row seat to the behind the scenes story of how the 2003 Rugby World Cup was won with England captain Martin Johnson. Martin, welcome to Front Row Rugby. Hi, Peter, you're right. Lovely to have you here. Thank you very much. Martin, we're going to start with our trivia question. Who scored England's first try at the 2003 Rugby World Cup? Now, if you know the answer to the question, you can put it in the comment section down below. And we'll also find out if Martin remembers the answer, but we'll do that at the end of our conversation. Martin, we're going to start in 2003. Coming into the World Cup, England had only lost five times since the previous World Cup. And they were the Six Nations champions, Grand Slam winners as well. What was the confidence like in the camp? Yeah, I, I think you say we'd only lost five games, but... Um they were the only games people ever talked about. So we'd lost, um, we'd lost three games, um, big games in sort of Grand Slam deciders. We'd lost to Scotland in 2000. We lost to Ireland in 2001. And France had beaten us in 2002. So we hadn't, we hadn't finished off the championship and, and won that. Um, and a lot, a lot of the time we were being accused by our own media of, of sort of, uh, choking and, and, um, and not being able to win the big games when they mattered. And and when you do lose them, you know, they've got a point. So we, we had to we had to sort of finish that off and, and win the Grand Slam in 2003. Um, and even before that, in the autumn of 2002, so a year away from World Cup, we had consecutive games. We played the All Blacks first, Australia in the middle, and the Springboks in the last game. And um, that was a big autumn series. The All Blacks came with a few guys missing. And we almost sort of had to win that game. You know, if, we, if, if the All Blacks were going to come with sort of half a team and beat us on tour, that wouldn't have looked good. So that, that was a huge pressurised autumn. We beat the All Blacks only by a point. We then had to follow up and beat Australia. So the pressure was on. Oh, you've, you've, got to, you've got to be able to, you know, come back the next week and win, which we did. Again, a very close game. We came back um, from points down to win that. And then that game with the Springboks, which we ended up winning comfortably. Again, it was a it was a weakened Springbok team, and I think we put a record score on them at Twickenham. And that just that series finished with that Springbok game and our heavy victory. Um, and that sort of set up the World Cup because that was our big pool game we knew was coming. And um, you know, Corne Clicker was captain. I, I imagine it was a very, very difficult Springbok team to uh or very difficult situation for him it wasn't their strongest team they'd left quite a lot of their good young new players at home and uh they, they lost their games so he'd have come under a lot of criticism and he was very defiant at Twickenham you know he said we'll see you in Perth we'll see you in Perth next year so that that sort of that sort of thing was looming a year away we then had to go and win the Grand Slam which we did with a very big game against Ireland at the end so at the end of a, a long season, and we'd won all those games, we then went on tour. Um, teams toured then in that uh, sort of May-June period before World Cup. So we went down to New Zealand, played them in Wellington, won that game again very close, went to Australia. England had never beaten Australia in Australia at that point, and uh, we won that game. So yeah, it, it was a great run. But I think whatever happens before World Cups, that's before World Cups, and it, it gave us a great base to work on. But you still, you still have to go to the tournament and win it. And I know that sounds very obvious, but it's very, very true. A lot can happen. That that winning um, run built expectation, uh, and that's the hardest thing I think to handle at any tournament is going in as a favourite, going in with that huge level of expectation. There's, the build up to World Cups are. Uh, are very long. Um, there's a lot of time. There's a lot of media exposure. You're endlessly exposed to the same questions um, and, and the same pressure. And the, and the tournament comes from a long way away. You know, you, you're in. We were in camp. Uh, we finished that tour. You know, we, that was a long, long season. We'd been playing. I was in pre-season training in 2002. And England was still England were playing in Argentina. They were playing a test match in Argentina. I'd started training for the following season. Uh, our coach had left a lot of the older guys at home because he knew the next year was going to be a big year. So we're 
we're playing games in August 2002. We finished playing games in June 2003. I remember our fitness coach said, right, you've got three weeks off. He then gave us our fitness schedules for that three weeks. Um, and then three weeks later, we're back in training camp. So it, it's a very intense period. Uh, and the World Cup is coming at you from a long way away. You know, if people start talking about it about two, two and a bit years before it happens. So there's a huge amount of pressure and build-up going into World Cups. And you have to deal with that as a team. That's that's as big as playing the games. You have to deal with that and get yourself in the right place mentally going into the tournament. So when you say confidence, yes, we knew we could beat anyone in the world. But all those games we'd played against the biggest teams, they were all games we could have just as easily lost. They were close games. We didn't, we weren't people of that word dominate. You know, you don't you don't get the word dominate very often at the top level of rugby union. It's you have an edge and you manage to exploit it and win the game. So while we were confident, we also knew if you slip up at the tournament, our second game was that South Africa game. And whenever you play South Africa, it's it's a big, tough, difficult game. They're going to play with all their pride. At the start of the tournament, everyone's fresh, everyone's healthy. That was going to be a huge game, even before you start talking about getting to the knockout stages. So, yeah, we had confidence in what we could do, but we also were very realistic of, of, of what these tournaments are like. Because we had guys who played in played in the tournament before, played in two. I played in two. We had Jason Leonard who played in three. So um, we didn't get ahead of ourselves. People want to talk before the World Cup, and they'll do it before this one. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? You have to be in the final to win it. You can't talk about winning tournaments when you've got to play a pool game when you've got to play the Springboks or whoever or the All Blacks or whoever in a pool game. So we had that experience and understanding of this thing's a long, they're long tournaments. You know, you're there. If you get to the end of it, you're there for a long, long time. You don't want to be peaking or, or <sighs> peaking's a, a funny word. You don't want to be, you, you can't burn all your emotional matches too early on. And the teams you play against, you know, we played Samoa in that third game. They will burn their emotional matches early on. They will play, come and play the biggest game of their lives um, against you, biggest game of their season against you um, early on because they've got nothing to lose. You know, they were in a they were in a pool with England, South Africa. They weren't expected to go through, so they're going to come and play their their best game. So you have to deal with all that as well. Pe people, you know, absolutely playing their best game. Everyone's saying, well. That was closer than we expected. Yeah, of course, it's a World Cup. They're going to play their best game. Um, we're, we're not playing our final here. We're playing a pool game. And you end up with the games you end up with. So, um, and that's the beauty of a World Cup. We all love seeing an underdog take on the big boys and, and be successful. You know, we, um, we got to that tournament. We played Georgia in the opening game. Which was a tough game physically. They were they were big, strong boys. Although we scored, I think we got to eighty points. I think they barely missed a tackle. They barely missed a tackle in the game. Um, we then went to play the Springboks, and and in a way, that tournament there was we didn't play. It was it was played in October, November, not September, October like it is now. We hadn't played in September, so we were pretty. We hadn't really had enough games. You know, a lot of our guys hadn't played a lot of rugby. Then to go and face the Springboks. Um, and they played well. You know, the Springboks played well. They they shook everything at us. It was um, it was a very uh, close first half, uh, and even even for twenty minutes of the second half, we got the try to go ahead, and that sort of put the game away from them with fifteen minutes to go. So we were relieved to win that game to get that game out of the way. You then go and play Samoa, who'd only played Uruguay and Georgia. I say only, so they were they were pumped up for their big game, and they the, for twenty five minutes, half an hour. They that was probably the certainly the quickest um, game we played in the tournament because they wanted to move us about. They they had, you know, they've got great athleticism across their team. And we were 10-0 down. We were 10-0 down after 10, 15 minutes. And everyone around the world, you know everyone around the world's watching you thinking, great, England are losing. Um, this is this is brilliant World Cup rugby. And they've got a battle. So we had a battle on our hands for 80 minutes to win that game. Um but actually, those things stand you in good stead. You know, not having an easy time of it in the pool puts you in good stead. So that's a long answer to your question about confidence. Yeah, yes, we did. 
but we also knew these things don't go always go smoothly you know but people always want some sort of statement game where you put a marker down we have that expression oh they put a marker down you can put a marker down one week the next week it starts nil nil at kickoff and you have to be in the right place so coming out of the pool um we seem to have more question marks uh against us than we had before the start of the tournament but that's the nature of world cups and um it, it, it did keep us on our toes. We were never, we were never comfortable, never confident, sort of overconfident in that tournament because we were, we were dealing with, you know, and there's various off the field things happening as well. We had 16 guys on the field for 30 seconds against Samara or whatever it was. People wanted to chuck us out of the tournament and all that sort of thing going on. So it was never, it was never quiet. There was never a down moment. And, um, but you get through all that and then you get into the, the knockout stages, which, you know, you get to a quarter final and people say, Oh, this is where the tournament really starts. Then you win that and you get to a semi-final and people say, No, this is where the tournament really starts. So um it, it was a it was a tough it was a tough uh tournament for us in many ways because teams wanted to they were obviously going to play their best games against us and um they did that. Looking back, as I said, we we were probably not at our best in a way because we hadn't played that much rugby together. You know, we hadn't. We played Georgia, then we played South Africa, then we then we mixed the team up for the um, Samoa game. If some guys hadn't played at all, then we put, sort of played a reserve fifteen against Uruguay. So actually, getting that run of two or three games together in the in the in the knockout stages, probably we were probably starting to hit our straps really when the final whistle went at the end of the tournament. So, Martin, I want to ask you about that pool stage match against South Africa because you guys were in the same side of the draw as New Zealand. Now, knowing that whoever lost that match would almost certainly play the All Blacks in the quarterfinals, is that something that you guys were conscious of? Massively conscious of it, yeah. They're massively conscious of that. And also, just just your morale and momentum. For us to go to the tournament as the number one team in the world, as I think we were probably joint favourites or favourites, depending on who you talk to, to go and lose your second game of the tournament in the pool to a team like South Africa who had hadn't had a great run for a couple of years, particularly by South African standards. And we'd put 50 points on them the last time we played. And as I said, that, that's, uh, that game was coming from a long way away. You know, Cornet Cricket... In the in the in the after if the aftermatch of the the game at Twickenham in 02 had said, look, this is not Perth. We'll see you in Perth. And I tell this story. I, I was in London that summer. I was just walking down the street in London. A, a black cab pulled up in front of me. Um, you know, everyday everyday situation. The guy hops out of it. Big guy. I looked at him. I thought he looks African. And uh, he just looked at me and went, "Hey, we'll see you in Perth. Eh? We'll see you in Perth." So that that game was coming. And that, I tell people all the time, that game was the most pressurised game of my life by a long way. The pressure I felt before that game that we we had to win. Because to lose, to lose a pool game in the World Cup, uh, particularly for us at that point, the, the, the criticism that would have hit us would have been like a, a, a you know, a tsunami, an avalanche of criticism. We won that game and we still got an avalanche of criticism because we didn't win it enough or we didn't win it like this or how we should people think we should win it. So it was a huge, huge game. And and there's never an easy game against the Springboks. Um and they had some very good young players in that team. We knew they were dangerous. You know, Joanne Smith was in that team. These guys wouldn't won it four years later, obviously. Um you know, Joanne Smith was in that team. Van Niekerk was in that team. Uh, Backy's Bolter was in the second row. Victor Madfeld, you know, John Smith, the hooker. So a very good young forward pack coming together. Just, just was, was still there at nine. Um, the back line was probably, uh, we didn't know the back line so well, but still, you know, South Africa produces good players. They're, they're just good players. Um so we always knew they were dangerous. And they they had us under pressure, you know, for periods of that game, as they would do. You know, we did, we, we weren't unnerved by it because that's what happens in test matches. So we were an experienced test match playing team. And I remember there was a huge amount of pressure building up to that game. 
when we finally ran out and we played in Perth, um, big South African community in Perth and, and you know, a lot of English guys too. So good crowd of, of both, both sets of supporters. When we ran out, I, I looked across to them and, uh, I just looked at them and they were, young, they were a young team. You know, we had an experienced team. And I just I just looked at them and thought, we'll, you know, the, sometimes these thoughts come into your head. They just hit you. And I just thought we'll beat these guys because we just got more, more um, test match savvy and we've just played a bit more and we're a bit more experienced. But it was a heck of a game. You know, they, they came and played very well. They missed some kicks. That could have changed it. But I, I think well, I was always confident we'd be able to do enough to win the match. And 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 like I said at the start, you it's a big game for us, but you you don't want to. It's not your biggest game, hopefully, and you have to. What you know, but if we lose, it might be your biggest game. Um, so you've got to sort of weigh that that sort of um, how 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 deep you want to go. You, you don't you don't want to be playing an epic World Cup game in your second pool match. You want to be able to you want to be able to put them put them to bed as early as possible and get off the field with as little drama as possible, no injuries, but, but also having a decent game, you know, that tests you. And I think we got that. I think when we scored, we scored with a charge down, right? And, um, but people say, oh, you only scored a charge down try, but we, we knew, um, I think it was Louis Kuhn was playing 10 for them that day, right footed kicker. You know, we had some good coaches. Our kicking coaches said when he kicks, when he kicks from, um, from right to left, He's exposed his right foot's forward facing. You can get onto that and and get a charge down. And, and Lewis Moody was playing played seven for us that day. Uh, no six actually. Um, got the charge down and we scored. And once we scored that, I think it was fifteen minutes, maybe twenty to go. I think it was only one team going to win that game then. But it was um, it was a good game for us. We were very relieved to get off it with. Um, uh, I think we had one injury, a couple of injuries maybe, but but to win, you know, to get the win. And um, we'd we'd had we'd had some problems at scrum half leading up to that. Both our first choice scrum halves were injured um, leading up to that game. And I'll always remember Kieran Bracken played. You know, midweek in that game, he couldn't tie his shoelaces up. He couldn't bend over to tie his shoelaces up. He had a bad back. Matt Dawson didn't play. So there's all those things going on behind the scenes sometimes in World Cups you don't realise. Uh, we had a reserve scrum half fly over to cover in case we needed him. So that unsettles the team as well, leading into a game. You you want to you want to be training well with everyone in in um, in in full fitness, but it doesn't always happen. So it was a it was a big relief to get that game out of the way to win it, and um, you know as normal you sort of think well that's probably the pool one, and then you know you go into the next game and you're probably a little bit a little bit complacent. Do you really know your rugby? Do you always get your predictions right? Why not make some money then? Open an account right now with Tic Tac Bets and get up to 2,000 Rand and 20 spins with your first deposit. The link is appearing on your screen and I'll also put it in the description area. Please note that this is an affiliate link and I will make a little commission on it. Winners know when to stop. National Responsible Gambling Programme, toll-free helpline 0800 006 008. No persons under the age of 18 years are permitted to gamble. What was your relationship like with Clive Woodward? I think by that point, we'd been together so long. That that was a difference we had with most of the teams at that tournament. Uh, the Springboks, the All Blacks. The All Blacks were quite a young team that year as well. Quite a lot of new young players, a relatively new setup. We'd been together uh, for six years, since 97. So you, you in that time, yes, you find out who's the best players and, and, and you do all the rugby things, but you also find a way of working um, together to make things, to make things happen. So we just had a way of, of, you know, how we operated, if you like, was just, very, was, was just very smooth. So we, we, and you also have that, uh, that opportunity to, you know, you could be very open with each other. We, you, you knew each other. We'd been through lots of ups and downs, so I think Clive in that World Cup was at his absolute best, you know, tactically with the team that year, uh, how to just set the games up. It's it's really the most important thing is is how the mentality of the team going into the match, where they are mentally. You know, there was a lot of pressure on us, as I said, for that tournament. 
And as a coach, do you do you ratchet that pressure up a little bit more or do you take it down or whatever for those sort of things? So yeah, my relationship with Clive was 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 great. We we had a very he trusted us. You know, ultimately it came down to he trusted us, we trusted him, and we trusted each other to have that conversation if we needed to have it. Because not everyone's right all the time, whoever you are. Not everyone's right all the time. Not everyone gets everything right all the time. Doesn't matter how good a coach, player, captain, whatever you are. Things are constantly changing. We we you know, if you look back to that South Africa game, we, one of our best players, his wife was in hospital um, and he'd already lost a child the year before in, in childbirth. You know, so we had a guy who was thinking more about his wife at home who was struggling. Clive had him booked on every possible flight if he needed to go out of Perth back to the UK. You know, so he was saying to Will, if you can stay, that would be great. If you need to go, you need to go. And we've got you booked on every flight. So we'll get you home if you need to go home um, at the drop of a hat. So we had things like that going on behind the scenes uh, as well. And Clive was dealing with that. And if you talk to Will, you know, that gave Will great comfort in, in knowing that. And immediately after that game, he he flew home to, to see his wife. So, yeah, we, we had a, a very um, mature relationship in every sense of that. It, it had been going on for a long time. Uh, and, you know, we, we, were, we were a very, very experienced team. Most of us at that point were in a, a lot, a lot of the senior players rather were in our early 30s, you know, married with kids, uh, were in that time of life. So it wasn't a coach um, sort of lecturing young players. It was, it was a conversation between guys who'd been there before um, and a coaching staff that that trusted in what in what in what we would say and and think and uh, and we trusted in what they would do. Martin, I want to stay on the leadership theme because as the captain, you sort of have to draw a line between being one of the lads and being the leader of the side. How did you manage that? I don't know. I just I just was myself. As I say the, these things sort of um, these roles sort of develop. You know. We had lots of sort of guys who were nominated to lead parts of the game in terms of, you know, if it's defence or lineouts or whatever that may may be. But then other guys just take a, a a sort of natural role in the team based on their personality and their experience and who they are and, and how that all works. And as I said, these things just develop. You know, we had we had guys like you know we had a guy like Lawrence who who, who was quite vocal, Lawrence Delalio in the back row, um, quite an emotional. Uh, sort of character. Then you have a guy playing with him like Richard Hill, uh, who was a lot, lot quieter, but but a great leader in in many ways in terms of what he did. And when he did speak, had had huge you know weight and presence. Neil was the same. Neil back, um, you know, a, a, not as not as vocal as Lawrence, but but more vocal than Richard. Again, a lot of weight when he spoke. So guys just find their role, and 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 it, it's not. Um, you know, as a captain, I welcome to the people speaking. When you're together so long, it just gets, you get fed up of hearing each other talk half the time, to be honest, you know. Um, so sometimes a different voice is good. So we just we just had a way of it happening. And it, it just develops and um, some of it is, is is conscious, some of it's not. Obviously, most of it probably not. It just it just develops and you find a way for it to happen. So we, we had lots of good experienced players. You know, we had two number nines who, who could do that? Um, Will Greenwood at twelve. Even a guy like Mike Cat, you know, who wasn't playing early in the tournament. Yeah, you know, hugely experienced player, and he, even behind the scenes, you know, talk, talking to other players, just keeping them uh, on track because the pressure of World Cups. You, years later, you hear guys talk or you're reading books how they were feeling, and some of it you sort of knew, and some of it you didn't, and, and some of them were feeling huge, huge pressure at times. And they've got to get through that and, 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 you know, talking with their teammates or whatever, guys understanding them a little bit better um, helps with that whole process. So how how a team leadership thing works is is, is probably too, it's too big and complex to really, for one guy to, everyone's got a different sense of it as well. You know, you, you may be hugely inspired by someone, um, how they say what they, another guy might, might not listen to it. You know, it can be that it can be that different. Um, it might not it might not resonate with that other guy. You know, um, so how how the whole thing works 
it just got there and and worked for us um and it it took a lot of time and probably quite a lot of work as well to make it work even better and, and try and, and 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 keep it improving and that was something we we were conscious of clive was very conscious of but it's um that thing's a constant a constant work in progress isn't it you guys were in australia for approximately two months it's a long tour it's a long world cup i'm sure there were lighter hearted moments is there a particularly funny moment that you can share with us you think so <laughs> um i i think that's the key is we generally knew how to uh, i haven't got a i haven't got a, a one-off story for you it's going to make you all laugh really but i think that's the key is for the older guys we knew when it was time to turn off and you are together a long time and world cups frankly are mainly downtime you know there's a lot of traveling there's a lot of waiting for training sessions you've done a lot of the work so really you're trying to just do what you need to do during the tournament I mean, I remember before the Uruguay game, we just had a whole, you know, we almost had a week off because we played a reserve team. And and so you just, you try, you're killing time for a few days, really. Um, so, but we had a very, we were a very comfortable team amongst ourselves. Uh, particularly, the, you know, a lot of the guys have been together a long time. So you just, you just learn how to, how to do that and switch off. Because if, if you're mentally thinking about the tournament all the time, it'll just, it will just blow you away. So, I remember Johnny, he struggled with that. Well, Johnny, and he's, he publicly said he struggled with that bit of it. He said the older guys can switch off from it, and I can't. And um, I did weigh heavy on him in the tournament. You have to find your fun. You have to find your fun at all times during the tournament. You know, we could laugh at ourselves, laugh at each other, laugh at the situation, um, you know, whatever it is. And, and sometimes, it, most of the time, it's not hilarious things. It's just little in-jokes and personal fun and um you, you just you just you f- you find that humor uh amongst yourselves and 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 otherwise you go insane you know because it, it's a long tournament and um you look back now years later and you think well you're having the time of your life and in some ways you are and i, I remember the last week you know you, you're into the final week that's where you want to be that's where that i hadn't been in the final week i'd got knocked out in a quarter and a semi and then you've got your nose pressed against the glass looking in at the teams playing the big games and you're thinking, I want to be there. You sit, you feel second rate. But when you're there, we we just wanted to play the game and go home. You know, we just wanted to go home because we, we had enough. And I was saying, guys, look, the sun, the sun's shining in Australia. You know, the weather's great. It's November in England. It's going to be horrible when we get back. We're going to go straight back into a routine of playing every week and um, training and all the rest of it. But you had enough of you know it was time to go so yeah you're right the, the humor keep the humor keeps you going i mean we just our humor is probably a bit similar to yours we we you know everyone just takes the the mick out of each other um and that that keeps you on your toes you're constantly you know doing that um and 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 looking for the fun and, and also we we had to in australia you become open season it becomes open season on you because the media is into you because you're English. So the Australians think it's their uh, birthright to say what they think to you, which is fine. But then we decided, well, it was our right to say what we thought back to them. And they don't like that. That bit suddenly hits them as a shock. You know, if they, if they come up to you and um, open up on you, they expect you to just take it. And and so if you ever come back to them um, with something, they, they're suddenly shocked and, Oh, and so we, we we had a bit of that, you know. We 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 decided, and we we had you know we've been enough to Australia to New Zealand before. I tell you what it's like that we went to New Zealand on that tour uh, in the summer. So we're in Wellington the first night we're there. We're trying desperately to stay up because you've got to you've got to try and stay up and stay in because we've got you know thirteen hour time difference, whatever it is, eleven hour. So you're trying to stay up till ten o'clock and 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 get your body clock. So we we're, we're all jet lagged. We're sat in a cafe in Wellington. There's about six of us go out for a coffee. We just look at each other. You know, you just jet lagged. Um, you're in that space. There's one guy in that in that cafe in Wellington, and he came over to us and went, "Ah, oh, guys, you're the England rugby team." Went, yeah, yeah. He went, "Well, I'll just come and give you some shit." Say hello. And you go, mate, you're sitting there by yourself. 
right? There's six of us here, and you, that, you, you've taken it upon yourself to come over and try and abuse us. He sat down within 15 seconds of opening his mouth and realised he'd made a grave mistake. So we, we had that bit of going on as well, that you, you had to sort of um, battle off the locals. And it's not, look, it's a very small percentage of them do that, but they're the ones that come and talk to you. So we also had that going on. That was um, that was important to us. But yeah, your morale, your morale of the team is, is very, very important. And, and just finding that fun and humour in whatever. And, and, and most of it is in, like everyone's humour, it's in jokes. It's not funny to people who aren't there. Not funny, probably even to us now, but at the time, you know, you just you're just getting by with whatever you can do. Hey, if you're enjoying this video, why not consider becoming a patron? You can click on my Patreon link. I'll put it on the screen as well as in the description box, and there will be great benefits for members. Let's get back to the interview. So, Martin, you wake up on the morning of the Rugby World Cup final. Talk to me about your thoughts and your preparations at that stage. Well, being evening kickoffs, they're long, long days. I was talking about this the other day with a with a young coach, and I think for evening kickoffs, I certainly and most of the guys would cut the day in half. You'd cut the day into two, so we'd get up in the morning. When you open your eyes on match day morning, you sort of you have that one second realize, okay, it's match day, and immediately for me anyway, the nerves start. You know, it's a different morning than. Than, than a Wednesday morning, but the game's 12 hours away, 12 hours away, you know, if you're waking up at half seven, eight o'clock, whatever. So it's too long. It's too long to start thinking too much. So just really try and put yourself in neutral or first gear. <laughs> you're not going to go into top gear. Um, and we, 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 you know, you, you, a team's get into routines of how they handle it and there's some sort of comfort in routine. So we, we'd, we'd have breakfast and then we'd go and do mid-morning. We'd go and do a light sort of not walk-through training session, really. Um, probably around 11 o'clock, come back and, and then you're into sort of lunch. And after lunch, a lot of the guys, and I would do this, would, would just go and try and sleep. Go and um, lie in your room and try and turn off um in the middle you know that early middle part of the afternoon just try and turn off mentally because you can overthink big games you know you, you're ready um and and, and you, you get you get into a way of preparing for test matches you just you just fall into it or i think you should do anyway as a player and then people come and you know people come and talk to you about it psychologists whatever and you sort of think well i do a lot of that anyway i just naturally so you have a sort of built you know what time we're leaving you know what time your last meal is. Everything's prepared. So you're just, you're in that limbo land, really. They're long days. I love playing under lights. I think it's very, you know, very cool. But it's a long, long day waiting for the game. Um, and what do you do? You know, the hotel's full of supporters for both teams. You can't, you don't even want to be walking on your legs too much. You don't want to walk into town. And blah, blah. So you're, you're basically stuck in a hotel. So you just kill those middle two or three hours. You try and sleep. I can't remember if I did or not. I probably got some form of some form of sleep. But then, as the clock ticks, you know, you know, you're you're getting ready to go and play. So um, you go and eat again. I struggled to eat the sort of last meal, but you know, you have to get some. You've got to get as much as you can until really, um, and then you're really just killing time waiting for the clock to tick. To you, you know, you meet up, you get on the bus. We had a long journey to the game. It was best part of an hour on the bus to the game from where we stayed to where the stadium was. So you mentally got to get your head around that. Um, a longer trip than normal on the bus. But really, it, you know what time kickoff is. So everything in your life is pointed towards kickoff. That is the minute I've got to be ready to play. Not before. I don't need to be ready Tuesday afternoon to play. I need to be in Tuesday afternoon mode, which is with training. So I'm concentrating. So I'm going to a little peak, but it's not the peak. You know, you, you talk about laughs. We, we, we'd come out of our, by the final week, you've got so many fans from England who are coming down. Guys who maybe thought, um, and, and, and people who thought, well, I'm not going to go. And then you make the final. And, oh my God, I've got to get there. The people are coming in via every route possible into, into uh, Australia. And then more and more of them at a hotel. So when we go out to train, so we go out to train on a Wednesday. We'd have three, four hundred people in our hotel lobby forming a tunnel for us to go out and train, clapping, cheering, 
going berserk. Um, and that's a Wednesday, right? So it, it's quite, um, if you get carried away with it, it sort of hypes you up. So we'd, we'd sort of get on the bus and we'd laugh. And Clive would always love to come last onto the bus and he'd sort of take this, we'd have this solo walk through the crowd, taking the applause, you know, love it, loving the attention. That would always give us a giggle. Um, but you can't you can't get carried away with it. You have you have to be ready. You know, we'd have Thursday off before Saturday, and then you try and come down and totally not think about the game on a Thursday. So it's all just a, a, a mental process of building yourself up for the match, not playing it too early or too many times in your head, uh, and being ready that when we step out, you know, when he blows the whistle, five past eight, whatever time that is, then you're ready to go. Um, and the guys could do that. We didn't have to worry about players being, you know, ready to play. They played lots of test matches. We knew we knew our process, how the team did it, and you fitted in within that and your individual style. So the day was a long one. You try and you try and sleep and break it into two, and it's just really waiting, not getting yourself worked up into a nervous um, wreck, and just being ready, ready to go at eight o'clock. And then the match itself, very exciting. Lottie Takiri scores first for the Wallabies. You guys claw your way back. You've got a nice lead at halftime, but you don't score any points in the second half. The match goes to extra time. And then, of course, you have the Johnny Wilkinson drop goal right at the end. Talk to me about what it was like playing in that match. It was like playing in a match, <laughs> which is a weird thing to say for a World Cup final. But actually, that's the, I think that's the mentality you want. You don't want to play the World Cup final. You want to play a match. And I think my only message to the team, really, my big, my big, what I was trying to get across was, don't do anything different, because we're good at getting more points than them. That's ultimately what it is. We have to get more points than them, however the game unfolds. And they're always a little bit different. And we played those guys, you know, we played them uh, twice in the previous calendar year. Um, so and we beat them, but they were one was one was a closer game than, than the second. But you've got to find. But they were both different. And this will be different again. And you don't know how. And then they scored early, like you say. So we just do what we do, which is go up there, find, way to, find ways to score points. And we could do that in many ways. You know, Johnny could snap drop goals. We'll create pressure through many ways, through set piece. Or, you know, we could run the ball. Um, we could, we, the, the, the beauty of that team, we could play the game in lots of different ways. You want to play, you know, fast running game, we'll take anyone on because we we were very fit and mobile. Even though they called us old, we were fitter and more mobile than than them, I think, over 80 minutes. We had pace. Yeah, we had Jason Robinson. We had Benny Cohen. We had some good power in, in Tindall and Cohen as well. Josh Lucy. We had, a, you know, we had a great back row. We had a tough front five. We had a running front row. People, our front row in that in that final of, of Trevor Woodman. Trevor was an incredible loose head prop. And probably people around the world maybe never got to see Trevor at his best at the test level. But he could, Trevor was lightning quick. You know, for for any player, never mind a prop forward, a hooker could run. Steve Thompson was a converted back rower. Phil Vickery was a fantastic rugby player as a tight end. That wasn't our best scrummaging pack. You know, we we had we had a big strong tight end, but uh, in Julian White, but um, you know, Phil was Phil was a probably a better all round rugby player at tight end. So we had a great team. We could play in many different ways. Um, but we go we go behind. They pull off a great move. You know, they they. They have a six foot three winger against our five foot nine fullback in a cross kick. Fair play. It's a great, it's a great move. The end, it's the only time I'm surprised they didn't try it again. They score, but you know, that's not great in the first five minutes of a World Cup. But experience, you know, we score the next points, this game's different. If we don't, this game's different. And we did. So we, we come back five three, six five up, nine five, half time. I thought we'd get on top of Australia. They looked far more fatigued than we did. Um, but famous last words, you know, we 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 bumble around in the second half. We don't we don't finish the game off. We get into penalty trouble with the referee, and suddenly you're looking at we're only winning by three points. And as you say, we hadn't scored in the second half. I'm, I look at the clock with four minutes to go. I think we're winning by three. It felt really weird. It was a very strange second half, and it felt a bit flat. And I thought we're going to win this. And we haven't really done, you know, it would have been quite an ugly victory really at that point. Of course, they then equalise uh, in the last kick of the normal normal time, which is is, is, a, is a brutal thing to happen. And it was a, um, 
you know, it was it was an incident where I think either team could have they could have been penalised before us, maybe maybe more right rightly than we were, but we get penalised. So you then you then go from having you know having a lead in a World Cup with a minute to go, to having to you know start again. I always say to people, actually, if you'd said to said to our team, at the, you know, before the tournament, a year before the start of that day, whenever extra time in the World Cup final, we'd have fancied ourselves because we 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 knew we were there was no one fitter than than we were, and we proved it. We proved it to ourselves, so we didn't have to harp on about it. We just knew in ourselves. You know, Australia made lots of lots of changes to it. We we'd made one, I think. Um, Richard Hill's hamstring had a hamstring injury, so we brought Lewis. And we had a, we had a, we had such a deep squad. So I think extra time. Once you once you put what's just happened behind you and go, actually, this is made for us. And I remember coming in at half time and looking at the players and thinking, you know, this this is made for us. The guys, they just they, no one had a look of we've just blown a World Cup, which we had. If you think of it that way, everyone had the look of let's just let's just get this finished. And I had confidence that we would win the game. I had, I didn't know they could score a try. You know, they had good players. They could score a try. They could pull something out and score a try at any moment. But I just had, I just had the confidence. Whatever they did, we'd find a way to, to, um, to better it. And again, you know, we're winning with with whatever two minutes to go. Um, they then equalise again, and you've got to you've got to make a plan. You know, let's let's do this. We expect them to do that. Let's put them under pressure. Let's put their kick up, kick. You know, we kick long. Let's put their kick return under pressure. Let's go to the back of the line out. Let's go, you know, and within that, Matt Dawson's break to get us into into real field, uh, to drop goal um, territory was 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 genius because at that point, after the after the line out, there wasn't a lot on from the ruck. And, and Matt was, you know, he was great at, at, at selling that dummy and going making that break next to the rug, which he did for, you know, 15, 20 yards, which just got us right in the box seat to score. So you've just got to hold your nerve at that. And it's easy to talk about it and to say those things, but you've just got to hold your nerve at that point because World Cups are about pressure. You know, I've talked about it right at the start, feeling the pressure of the moment. At that point, it's just, you know, uh, I think I carried the ball, pass, pass, catch, rug, pass, kick, right? Stuff you do... You know, I could get my 15-year-old boys team to do that, um, ideally. But when you're doing it in a World Cup final, everything is laced with if you drop this ball, if we don't, if you don't do this, you, this game will be remembered forever in our history, you know. So, but I think experience helps hugely there. You just, you just do, you know, as I said at the start, it's just a game of rugby. Pass me the ball, I'll catch it. Hustle him, he'll kick it. And, um, and off we go. So, we, we, you know, we, we probably did what we should have done a little bit early on, just set ourselves up and get some points on the board. But it made it a hugely dramatic way to, you know, to win the game, to go down to the last kick, basically. And I talked about Trevor earlier. You know, they kicked off. They had a chance to kick off after that. And we were a little bit all over the place. They're going to do, they're going to do an impromptu kickoff to retain the ball. And, you know, Trevor said he thought they'd go short and he just hung around, uh, you know, 12 metres from the kickoff. And, our loose head prop who played 100 minutes, you know, they're not even on the field now after playing 100 minutes of rugby, whatever it, whatever it was. He jumped, he jumped two, three foot in the air to catch that ball above his head. You know, he caught it, you know, hell of a player and a great catch just to, so we could finally kick the ball off. I think Andre Watson would love to have gone another, I think it was golden point, was it after that? I think he'd have loved to get there, but uh, fortunately we kicked the ball off and and that was it. What does it feel like when the referee blows the final whistle and you are a rugby world champion, Martin? Well, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because it, immediately it's relief. And you're not thinking, because I said, you know, you're just trying to play the game. You're not thinking about winning it because that, that just puts pressure on everything you do. You're just thinking about winning this game and what we do. You know, the process is what they call it now, isn't it? Think about the process, not the result. And, and that will get you there. So, when people when people start talking about winning World Cups now, and they will, they're that endless. Who's going to win? Like, well, we haven't got to a final. You know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you that when there's three seconds to go in the final. So they don't think about winning it until you're at that point. And so actually, it's a bit of a wow, we're here. You know, because I always say the tournament goes from 
you're in the final and it's an exciting one and we're in extra time and it's level with 90 seconds to go. It can't get more dramatic than that, can it? It can't get more knife edge than that. Then, then he blows the whistle and it's all finished. All finished. Gone from the most dramatic bit to it's all finished. That, that's history now, that tournament. So it's a weird one. And, and he blows the whistle and, oh, thank goodness, the relief. Oh, wow, we have, we've won it. We've won it. Well, what do we do now? How, how am I supposed to, I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to feel. It's all, I, it takes me a while for games to sink in. A long time. And um, but it, it's all just uh, a, a little bit, um, wow, it's happened. Because you, you, people take you, do you dream about lifting the World Cup? Did you know? Because it, it, you know, you know, you know, it's what you want to do. That's that's at the end of the the end of the rainbow, isn't it? That's the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. So you don't you don't think about it too much. You think about winning lineouts and hitting rocks and all those things because that's what you know will get you the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. So it's a weird one. You don't know what to do with yourself. Um, you, you get the you get the trophy and you walk around the field and you're just happy for everyone. You're just happy for everyone in the squad that you've, you've actually, and then, then, then I think the sense of satisfaction hits you a little bit later on that, you know, we said we were going to do this. We, we, we thought we were good enough to come and do this, but you've got to do it. You've got to go and do it. It's okay saying we, we were good enough and you don't want to be that team with a regret. Um, because if you're lucky enough to be in a squad that is good enough and there isn't many, there isn't many at any tournament, um, then you've got to you've got to do it. And if you sat there, I, I know the guys that lost it for England in '91. They lost the final. That'll live with them. That always live with them. Um, that they thought they, they could have won it, and they didn't. So to actually get there and do it. And and as an Englishman, I remember one of the guys saying recently, you know, we grew up watching the soccer World Cup, and it would always end, you know, at some point with us not getting there in our lifetimes. You know, and then rugby World Cups as well. So to actually be the team that gets there is 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 what is what you want to do, and then but what do you do when you get there? You know, well done, chaps. <laughs> so it, it is a weird one. It is a weird one. Um, you you just I, I think the relief, a, a little bit of shock, and then the satisfaction. The satisfaction comes in that actually we got there and we did it, and for a change we're not. But it, it, it's really when you get knocked out of a tournament, it's um, it's. When you have the when you have the sort of hope and aspiration to get to the final and win it, when you get knocked out, it, it is it's a big blow. You know, it, it's it's not like winning any other game, uh, losing any other game. It, it's bigger. It takes a long time to get over it. So to actually not have that and to think, well, we've won it, um, is 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 great. And as I said, you're happy for everyone. You know, everyone in the team, all the all the all the the backup staff and all those guys who do all the work and everything. So it's just a, it's a great place to be. It's where you want to be. And uh, you don't want to leave the changing room. You don't want it to be over because, as I said, it's it's over too quickly uh, at the end of it. Where, whereas 24 hours, 48 hours before you wanted to get to the end, now you're at the end, you want it to carry on. So it's, um, so, yeah, so it's a weird thing. Um, it's a great thing, but it's a, it's, a, it's a weird sort of mix of thoughts and emotions. And then you arrived home to a hero's welcome. How special was that? Yeah, it's weird because you're sort of in denial, as I said, about how big it is. And and obviously the tournament, you know, as you get to the the final, you lots of people in in the in your country who who, who probably don't watch a lot of rugby, couldn't you know engage with it. So I think we didn't know till we got back home and the, the airport was packed. You know, that was we got home at five thirty a.m. in the middle of winter, so it's pitch black and freezing cold outside. It's not it's not a day you think mm, I'm going to go down to Heathrow Airport. Uh, in the traffic around London of a rush hour morning, people had abandoned their cars, you know, a mile away from the from the from the airport and run in. I mean, that's just unheard of stuff. Um, and the the terminal was packed. But yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy for for weeks afterwards. You know, um, you were suddenly in a different place in terms of as a rugby player in England. I always sort of said I could walk down the street, uh, someone would know who you are. Someone would look at you and think, I know you from somewhere. And someone else, the third person, would not have a clue. And then the first time I walked down a sort of random street in England, a lady, you know, a, a woman started talking to me about rugby. 
which would ne- very, very, very rarely happen uh, one-on-one in the street for, uh, you know, they just stop you and start talking about rugby. So, it you know, it did change things in the in, in England for a bit. Um, but it's great, you know, that you still get it now. People come up to you and say, I, I watched the game in, and I've probably had, you know, I've probably heard of at least 90 countries where people watched the game. I was in wherever it was in Africa or Asia or South America. We managed to get the game on. Or a lot, yeah, the ones you like are the guys who were serving. You know, in the Middle East, we were watching it in in uh, Iraq or whatever. Um, but just get everyone's got their little story. Oh, I got I got out there. I, I managed to get there. I was there in 03. We we came out through, you know, wherever it was, Karachi to get there. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's they're nice. They're not, they're nice stories. Everyone sort of has a, has a memory of it, and it, it's nice. I mean, we didn't do it for that. You know, you don't do it for you know um, the, the, the acclaim or whatever. But it's just nice that people have a you know a story of um of of uh where they were and 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 them enjoying watching it or you know god oh, it's one of the it's the greatest day of my life and blah 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 so yeah it's 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 a it's a great memory to have and as i said you know you, you just think sometimes thank god you won it because if we hadn't that would live with us you know that would live with us um for the rest of our lives in terms of you know a regret, a regret would be a regret not to have done it Okay, Martin, we're going to finish off with the trivia question. Who scored England's first try at the 2003 Rugby World Cup? Do you know the answer, Martin? I've got no idea. I've got no idea. I know it wasn't me. Um, First try against Georgia. I'm going to guess at Benny Cohen. All right. It was not Mr. Cohen. It was, in fact, Mike Tyndall. Mike Tyndall? I would not. I wouldn't have gone hit. I'd have, he'd have been about sixth or seventh on the list. And I can't. I can't remember a huge amount about, about the Georgia game. I know we had to work for all our tries. We had to work really hard. I mean, normally when you get points up, they start coming a little bit easier, and they never did. You know, they 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 made us work for every point we got that day. And um, the first time they'd been at World Cup, Georgia, and you know, we you had a little bit of a sort of function afterwards, and you're talking to their guys and really prideful guys and you thought wow this is you know a team that's gonna gonna be at future world cups and they have been you know they have been i think they beat they beat tonga in 2015 um yeah they've got a lot of players playing professionally around um around europe around the world so yeah it was uh it was an interesting opening game and it poured down you know we, we we're in perth western australia want to have a good run out for our first game pass the ball around, make them run, and it, it was uh, it was pouring down before the game. So, yeah, it was a was a was a tough game that one. Certainly was, uh, but a big win for England in the end. And of course, you would go all the way and win the Rugby World Cup that year. Martin, I want to say it was lovely having you on Front Row Rugby today. An absolute pleasure. Thank you for sharing so many of those fascinating stories. And I hope that we can have you on again in the future. Cheers, Peter. I enjoyed it.